Facebook. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, good Hi, to see Facebook. you again. Uh, this is Theology on Air. As you know, you're getting notifications and you're dying for an Around the Blackboard, which we haven't had in a couple of months. We, we had other priorities, I guess, last month. So we haven't had an Around the Blackboard. This is our monthly show that looks at uh, looks at headlines, looks at what's going on in the intersection, uh, popular word these days, of theology and morality and social and political uh, stories and all of that. So uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to be looking at a lot of controversial news today. We've got the Texas law banning abortion, got Texas. Texas is banning lots of things these days. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, allowing all public gatherings at church, church gatherings to take place, but it's banning CRT, six-week abortion law that's making huge headlines right now all over the place. Uh, and, and other stories as well. So thanks for joining us. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor at uh, First Lutheran here in Houston. I'm joined, as always, usually by Sarah. Always usually doesn't make any sense, but Sarah Stone. It's like I'm here, even when I'm not here, I yeah. think is what you mean. Yeah. Outreach director at Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. Joseph yep. Yu, recently ordained Joseph Yu. In the, in the Second time in the Episcopal Church. Episcopal Church, yeah. Second time in the Episcopal Church no, makes no, 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 it no. sound like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Second ordination. Second, oh, that's right. Yeah. Second ordination. Uh, <laughs> Um, and the first time was with the Methodist Church that I had to turn in. To and, ha- and how many times have you been baptized? It's like a second marriage. Just once, because baptism, baptism oh, sticks. Oh, okay. I see. Baptism does stick. We all probably agree You can't that. get rebaptized. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, that all, that all, that all squares away. Yeah. <laughs> Just collecting <laughs> ordinations, <agreeing>. though. Collect. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, over here. First time appear ever on Theology On Air. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Chris. Is there a prize or a gift? Well, it depends on how okay. you do. Uh, fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A prize, let's see. Well, I mean, you, you do have prizes. This is the prize. Welcome. Yeah. Have yeah. fun. Mm. Chris Wax, W-A-K-S. Yes. All right, good deal. And you are down in Galveston? Yes. Okay. I'm the associate pastor at uh, Moody Memorial First United Methodist Church. It's a long name. I know, a handful of a name. Very cool. Well, okay. Ours is long too. All right. Well, good deal. Uh, so glad to have uh, glad to have you on Facebook. Let's just jump right in. You guys yeah. ready? Okay. Let's do it. Well, y'all might have noticed there's a huge uh, story right now on the Texas law banning abortion. Uh, there, there are many articles we could have chosen from to sort of highlight it. Um, but this is one, I think it's from the uh, Texas Tribune. Um, let me just read a couple of paragraphs just to get us going. Uh, one of the nation's most restrictive abortion bills, which bans abortions as early as six weeks into pregnancy, took effect at midnight after the U.S. Supreme Court did not take action on an emergency appeal by Texas abortion providers Tuesday. The law prohibits abortions whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers defined as a fetal heartbeat, though medical and legal experts say this term is misleading because embryos don't possess a heart at that developmental stage. Hmm. Providers and abortion rights advocates say this would affect at least 85% of abortions taking place in the state. Many people don't know they're pregnant within the first six weeks. Um, Let's kind of summarize the the mechanism of this as well, because it's very important. This is essentially civil legislation. And so basically what this does, and this is the reason that Planned Parenthood really didn't win. I mean, they, they usually when a state passes an abortion ban or, or, or restriction in some way, usually the, the high-powered uh, attorneys for Planned Parenthood will swoop in and they will win um, because, um, sorry, my, it was a text and I was like, oh, what if our sound isn't working, you know, or something. Um, I don't want to like be up here talking. Okay, so it, usually what happens is that uh, the Planned Parenthood will sue and the Supreme Court, you know, or, or the, the uh, standing of Roe v. Wade will sort of win the day. What's different about this is that there's really no one to sue. Um, Planned Parenthood, they, they tried to sue every um, basically district attorney in the state, uh, but the problem is the way that this gets enforced is that any anybody can sort of 
turn anyone else in, any abortion provider, if they have done this thing, right? Mm -hmm. If they have committed an abortion uh, after <laughs> failing to provide an ultrasound or finding a heartbeat and doing the abortion anyway. And so that's why the language of bounty hunters has been thrown out by like Justice Sotomayor, because uh, the idea is that now it's going to be turning citizens into people who can report people. Whistleblowers. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a $10,000 fine if they're found guilty. So, um, And the person who turned them in that is technically suing the provider or whatever right. gets that money. It's basically a civil suit. Yee. And um, so it's a very creative law. So I'll, I'll, I'll give Texas credit for that. I am in the broadly pro-life category, but I'm actually – I'm actually not a huge fan of this kind of legislation. And I'll explain why if you like. But basically, I'm more in the abolitionist camp. Uh, this would be like a, a regulating slavery, right, rather than mm. abolishing it. We don't really champion slavery regulators last time I checked. Um, and so this, so what, what, who we champion are people who said no more slavery, right? So I would, I would be in that camp. Um, so I have my critiques of it, but I've kind of teed it up. Um, well, let me ask you about one of your critiques. So you, yeah. you would want things abolished. You don't think this is a step in that direction? Well, it's an incremental step, so, so there's a difference between incrementalism and abolition. So incrementalism says, well, let's just keep walking it back from 20 weeks to 15 weeks, like the Mississippi bill, now six weeks, which is – six weeks isn't even in the bill. That's just when you can detect – Right. A, like they said, a so-called heartbeat. The, the major issue here is principle versus arbitrary standards. That's the main issue. And my, ar my argument against abortion is that any time, any time after conception that you choose to make abortion okay, the burden is on you to prove that you're not being totally arbitrary. A heartbeat is totally arbitrary. Uh, 20 weeks is totally arbitrary. Viability outside the womb, totally arbitrary. None of those things make any sense philosophically or theologically. None of those are rationales or, or justifications for abortion. It's just, well, let's do, let's do six weeks. Let's do 12 weeks. There's nothing yeah. magical about 12 weeks. There's nothing magical about six weeks. There's nothing magical about viability. Yeah. There's, no, there's no child ever born that survived without so its mother. I'm with you on principle. Like, yeah. philosophically, that makes sense. But if it's helping keep babies alive... Why not take the win? Well, um, and, and I might take the win, but the problem is that you are using unbiblical standards, and mm -hmm. I think that as Christians, we should be arguing for things on biblical standards, right? So um, you're really already playing their game. You're, um, you might be undercutting Roe because Roe is about viability, mm -hmm. uh, you know, generally speaking. And so maybe you're undercutting that because now you're taking that off the table. Um, but there, there are huge enforcement problems with this. Uh, yeah. It relies on citizens to basically sue people. How, how are you going to prove that a, a heartbeat wasn't detected or that the, the ultrasound wasn't done? Have you ever spoken to an ultrasound? Have you ever gotten an ultrasound? Yes, right? many. I, I have two kids. You've gotten had ultrasounds. You cannot find a heartbeat if you want. Right. It's not hard at all. You just point at the where you know the heart isn't. Oh, gee, no heartbeat. You know. You, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. So, so the enforcement is. I mean, just because they have a heartbeat doesn't mean you're going to find it. Right. Right. Or, right. Or, 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 or not. And so how? And then how are you going to prove that? Who's going? Who's going to be a witness to testify it? Um, now it could freak some people out. It could freak a lot of people. Could freak abortionists out. Could freak people going to the Planned Parenthood out. I think it will probably save many lives in that respect. But at the end of the day, it's a question of relic. If you regulate abortion, you're you're legitimizing it. Hmm. What do and you guys I, think? I'm curious. I'm, I we don't usually go back and forth with us because I'm like, <laughs> yep, we agree. But <clears throat> any thoughts on this ban? I mean, you know, I do the me you know to go back to the mechanism piece of enforcement and moving into the the kind of civil realm is 
interesting, I guess to say the least. And I think that does open up a lot of interesting avenues of how that shows up in other ways. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if there will be, you know, just politically speaking, a reactionary thing. Well, it's like, okay, you know, some liberal state's going to pick some issue they have and yeah. it make the same mechanism. Yeah. yeah, And um, that I think to, you know, I don't know, as a, uh, a Christian approach, from my perspective at least, I would wish that people, instead of narking, you know, <laughs> would be more compassionate um, mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, for someone considering that issue to say like instead of tattling on you you know like let me help you yeah kind of thing um but at least from all my research too i don't think it you know um i I probably approach this differently though um at some level but i think you know banning it i people will still like all the Mm -hmm. statistics show people will still seek it out um so i've never thought just the outright ban is our yeah. most effective approach, um, if that's what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, that's you know, fair. Approaching, you know, um, like all this, you know, statistics show that, you know, mortality for both child after birth um, and mother, like, increase um, and that kind of thing. And so it, you know, at some level just seems focused on this particular moment, like, let's stop this, but then there's nothing that helps either prior to getting to that moment, the things that are preventative of, you know, a mother getting in that situation to yeah. even choose or after the fact that says like, well, now you have to raise this child. Good luck, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Well, not necessarily. Um, I mean, there's always adoption and, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things closer. exist, but not many people, oh, sorry, <laughs> you know, not often is there, um, you know, they exist, but not often do people a participate in yeah, that um, or be you know uh not even in areas where it's high like do they have the support to then raise said child herself yeah. and those things yeah it's this is kind of unrelated but um i am in a family of people that are really involved with crisis pregnancy centers my mom was the director of one uh, my sister and my mom have volunteered at them and i mean that's where i got one of my ultrasounds for timothy because my mom was so excited that we could do it right there and Timothy's my son. Um, and uh, I would hope so. Well, maybe he needed an ultrasound because yeah. he had like a tummy bug. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there are it, lots oh, of reasons okay. to get an ultrasound. Okay. Okay, I had one when he was inside my yeah. tummy. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, I watched a show a while back where they, I mean, it's a fictional show, but they were talking about these kinds of centers as if they were these like poisonous, toxic, terrible places where they trick you into having babies. And I think it's just so interesting that there's, and I mean, it's just one show, but I've heard people use terms like they roll their eyes when they talk about care net pregnancy centers or crisis pregnancy centers. Um, and then, but then when stuff like this happens, we're like, well, we just want to help women. We want to help them give them options and support. And I'm like, oh, I know a great place that gives women options and support and we'll come. And I've seen it happen. Well, they give them diapers for years or they help them find clothes or they help them get into, you know, childcare programs because the mom's working or she's a single mom. Um, but they're sort of villainized too. So it sort of feels like there's no, from the sort of other side of the, the other camp, there's no sort of good answer to this. It's always like, well, but the whole life matters. You're like, yeah, we agree. And then, yeah, yeah, backlash. But but if but if our standard is something like, well, 
if the child cannot be raised in the ideal circumstance or situation that, that I'm going to lay out as what I think is the ideal, then you're setting the standard for what is an acceptable time for a life to be born. And if a child can't be born into the most prosperous country the world has ever seen, then no, ch no child ever should have been born. I mean, Jesus shouldn't have been born. He was born into complete and utter poverty with no prospect of anything and a life of manual labor looking, you know, looking forward to. He had none of the luxuries of Xboxes or Sunday fun days or, uh, you know, all of the, all of the things that your average person, even your poor person in America, um, you know, delights in. Uh, no genetically modified food. I mean, we could just go on and on. So, um, so I, I don't. That's an argument I, I, I don't like because I think that when you uh, start saying what standard there has to be, or when you start getting on to people, oh well, you don't care about people after they're born. That's ridiculous. Conservatives do all sorts of things for people after they're born. There are all sorts of uh, uh, you know just because we're not like total outright you know socialists uh, and we think uh, you know. Uh, what whatever you know, taxes should you know, should should pay for the entire life. Everyone gets a three bedroom, two bath. You know. Ooh, I uh, can't wait for that. You know, all et cetera. Amen. Like that. That doesn't <laughs> I'm mean. I'm still it. waiting for my three yeah. bedroom. But but I will say this. What I I think that the uh, what what I think is interesting is what you know what what is it about a heartbeat, right? I mean, it's it's good rhetoric. Okay, it's something people can relate to. It's legislation people will pull behind. But what really is the difference, right? Um, because if that baby wasn't developing for those six weeks, then they wouldn't have had the heartbeat on the day one of seven week, right? Sure. And so that's the problem. It's still an arbitrary standard. I, I still think it's every bit as much a human being before that heartbeat. And as they say, this is where they're going to go. Well, it's not really a heart. Okay. Yeah. It's not four aortas and 12 ventricles or whatever the heart biology That feels is. like a lot of ventricles. I think it's... <laughs> I don't know. I'm no doctor. Let's see. Quintuple by anyway. But yeah. Um, no, but I mean like it's, it's yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, very small nervous system where you can detect blood flow, you know, yeah. to the extent that it, whatever, you know. So I think that instead of saying that again, the, 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 the best analogy is because it's a question of the humanity of the unborn. Okay. Just like with slavery, it was a question of the humanity of the slave. And so the corollary is, is very similar. The only difference is that uh, slaves were, you know, were, were older, basically. And they were outside of the womb, right? And they were more developed. But it's a question of humanity. So hmm. until we answer the question of when a human life begins, and if there's any answer that anybody can give me in this room or on the planet that is consistent, that if somebody can give me a, a, a meaningfully consistent answer to when human life begins other than conception, I would love to hear it. I've never heard it. I would love to hear it. I think Joseph has the answer. Oh, my gosh. Poor <laughs> Joseph. No, I was going back to what you said earlier that um, the, we're, we are so concerned about pregnancy. And, you know, my son's a product of foster care. Hmm. And let me just say, that was in California. The foster care system in California was a mess. And the foster system here in Texas is even a bigger mess. I know that there are the temporary homes are so packed that we have kids in Pearland living in um, the CPS offices Jeez. and uh, hotels because they have no place to stay. Um, so it's like, you know, we talk about these, uh, the foster care system ideally is supposed to be a system where we're, we, where the mother who goes through pregnancy and um, can't find someone to adopt, you know, you can have a kid there or whatever, but it's just 
these social workers are overworked with um, and underpaid, so there's a lot of burnout. So we don't really hmm. we talk about it, but in practice, I mean, it's not so clean. It, it's it's my son was uh, taken away from his parents, and was um, his sister was an emergency placement, so his sister was placed in a home, and he was in a group home for three weeks. So that means three weeks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There were three social workers who worked with them, at least three per day. When they came to us saying that this, son, this boy is available to be uh, put in a home, they told us that he likes to color, he loves bananas, and he has a speech delay. Well, he hated to color, he doesn't like bananas, and it's not a speech delay, he was autistic. Mm. And I said, y'all had three weeks, three weeks with him, mm. and you can't get that, like, we knew he was autistic five minutes into the car ride, like, this isn't just a regular language delay. and mm -hmm. and. I wish my story was like the the, the anomaly. The, yeah, but yeah. it's there's so many common stories. So, you know, we we the, we talk about like let's abortion is bad, abortion is bad, whatever, and then that's where the passion dies out. Mm -hmm. there, there's no talk about let's strengthen uh, the foster care system. Let's help parents uh, and and private adoption also is like we were we were uh, infertile uh, for whatever reason and. Private adoption was going to cost us twenty thousand dollars. In vitro was going to cost twenty thousand dollars plus two thousand dollars on top of every try. So it's like, okay, so there's another uh, level of um, where we can't take care of the kids after they're born. Yeah. Um, and also, like, what about conditions where abortion is saves the mother like because yeah you, like you uh, were you were you're all across the that's board. A, that's no. an exception in this okay. particular law yeah now no, rape, no, I mean, rape, I mean, I mean yeah. in your in your philosophy because you're you're all for you say you're yeah you're about abolition abolition abolitionist yeah. yeah so so what happens when like they come well to a, so i would view something like where the, the the life of the mother is at stake as a as an ethical dilemma all right in, in which there is no clear-cut answer you leave it to the discretion in that case of the of the doctor and and the family of course to make that decision it's a it's a but it's a one in a i don't know how rare it is but it's exceptionally rare mm -hmm. uh, in fact this would be another criticism of this bill is that the only people penalized are the abortion providers uh well actually you can get in trouble if you aid and abet uh, I was well. going to say, like, if you, like, drive them there, you can get in trouble. Yeah. That's intense, man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it also makes so, me think, how much money could I make if I just found the drivers? I'm yeah. kidding. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's like, it's like you know, and a lot, of, a lot of Uber people, you know, will take people to these appointments, too. So it makes me wonder, like, is an Uber person going to be, like, you know, caught up in this? You know, yeah. that could be interesting. But um, so I, I think that I, you, you can't base law, I think, on, on ethical dilemmas in which there is no clear answer that you have to make a Sophie's Choice type, type of moment. But generally speaking, people getting uh, – let's get real. Here's, who's, here's who usually gets abortions, okay? In many cases – and this is where uh, – uh, pro-abortion, pro-choice legislation, I think is horrible for women. Many women, I would say, I don't know a percentage, I don't know, I'd be stupid to even say, but many women who get abortions do not want to get abortions. They are pressured into them by the men in their lives, by their own family. Um, I just listened to a speech by a lady who, who runs an abortion survivor network, and her grandmother is who mm -hmm. pressured her mother into getting the abortion. And so that's not an uncommon story. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know the statistics either, but it's dizzying when I talk yeah. to people how so many So you've got a lot of people in a very intense environment, scared mm -hmm. to death, and everyone in their family is saying, get the abortion, get the abortion, get the abortion. And she doesn't want to get the abortion, but does she really have a choice? Who speaks for her? Well, it's not the law. The law's not on her side either. The law's like, 
get the abortion, right? And so, yeah, I think the law should be at least one voice in our corner mm-hmm. that says, oh, you want to mm-hmm. have a child? Well, you're, it, we're going to make it that much harder to get the abortion. Um, but many people are perfectly happy to get an abortion. They, they want to get the abortion. And I'm going to say something really controversial. I don't think women should be off the hook in that situation from this law. Now, that's a, if you're going to make it civil litigation, if you're going to make it a lawsuit, okay, where you're, 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 you're bringing a suit and you're— off the hook's the right word to use, sorry. <laughs> oh. Continue. Continue. Okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> in, 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 in that situation, um, right. you, you would, you would, it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Like, I think every abortion is unique. Just I think that every pregnancy is unique. Every marriage is unique. Every child is unique. I think every—they're no, not all the same. People get abortions for all kinds of reasons. So if there's civil litigation, you'd have to find out, well, what kind of pressure were you under? What was your circumstance? Why did you get an abortion? Um, you know, and if someone's shouting their abortion, I think they're liable. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't think that, that, that it's just all, you know, fun and games, like it's my personal choice, whatever. Like, you know, and if it's not someone being pressured into it, if it's not a bad environment. And so this law, as an example, it, it says nothing about the, the mother or the father who are willingly participating in this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's fair either. I think mm-hmm. that, that in a crime, that there are multiple parties who are, are guilty. Yeah. Right? It's like a hit job, right? Well, you're assuming something that not everybody is assuming, which is that it is murder, that it's a crime. Yeah. yeah. Because I am giving personhood and humanity to yeah. the unborn. Which I think... And so if someone can tell me another time at which they become a human being other than conception, I'm all ears. As you've said. I don't have that answer. But I do wonder if one of the benefits to the, this is a weird this is a weird ban, right? Like I'm I'm torn about it. I'm glad if it helps save lives. Um, but one other thing about it I think might just be helpful, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm being overly optimistic and naive, is just calling it the heartbeat ban and talking about the fact that there's a heartbeat that early. I wonder if that does humanize the baby within such that at least it causes people to think maybe a little bit differently about something that's just a clump of cells. Um, and maybe that's mm-hmm. the win that we get out of this. I don't know. When I do pro-life outreach, uh, there is rank ignorance about what goes on in fetal development among most people. Uh, there is rank ignorance about how many abortions have taken place in America and take place every year. I've talked to, say, high school students who are at a school across the street from our church. And I'll say, well, how many, how many abortions do you think have taken place since 1973? Which, by the way, to Joseph's point, there were millions and millions and millions of abortions pre-Roe v. Wade. Okay? And they weren't in back alleys with coat hangers. Okay? They were with OBGYNs. No, no, I thought you said Oh, anyway. Um, but anyway, regardless. Um, it was Chris that said that. Okay. Yeah. Apologies. All um, liberals don't look the same, Evan. But, yeah. <laughs> But, but, I mean, there, there are some estimates that there, there were hundreds of thousands of, of illegal abortions pre-Roe v. Wade. So this yeah. isn't even, you know, even, yeah. even getting rid of Roe v. Wade doesn't really even sort of totally solve the problem. Um, the other thing yeah. that, that confuses me is um, just we don't want government involved in certain things, but when it comes to women's mm-hmm. body, we want government legislation. That, that, uh, that kind of, I, I just don't understand. Like, we talk about gun control. Mm. I said, no. That's that, that might be an example of snitching in a Democrat state, right? Oh, huh. that, yeah. Yeah. And like, you like, have a gun without a license? I'll get a $10,000 fine for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 You then, but, but when yeah. it comes to, Texas. like, um, you can't make me wear a mask. But, hey, I want to make sure that she can't control the body the way that she wants to. And, and 
You're I, assuming. You're, you're, I know. So, so I'm assuming well, the, the humanity, on. the unborn. You're assuming the, yeah. the, I'm assu- the, the well, unibody. Well, I'm assuming. Well, I, I, Did you I, say unibody? Uh-huh. Sorry, it sounds like now. a terrible workout place. <laughs> unibody. <laughs> for the whole body. Okay, so, Anyway, friendship. one, one body I. instead of two. Um, yeah. I, well, that too, but in, in the case of we have an unborn fetus and we have a, a live woman. And so I kind of tend to be... I want to say that I think abortion is 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 not the option to go. Like I'm yeah. not when I say I'm like pro-choice, I don't mean everyone go get an abortion. Right, you're not abortion happy. No, I think it's I think it is just a not it should be the absolute last 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 choice resort. Yeah. resort. Yes. Um but I still feel like someone should have a choice to make that decision on their own. And I do understand that some people are unfairly pressured into it, and they do it. They go into that outside of their uh, choice. But also, like in Texas, it seems like even if you are a product of rape or incest, um, this you might still get narked for going through with this. And it's just like I don't understand. I guess the, the the part of the question I don't understand is why is. I guess it's because where we where we view where the life begins. I guess that's the ultimate reason why we can figure yeah. out why the government. Well, the it. government question has come up in a lot of the stuff I've been listening to. I realize I'm looking this way. I'm boxing you out. You're still okay, part I'll of our conversation. Oh my gosh, we're gonna build. We don't need you. We need, talk, we need to build a circular <laughs> table. There's all, there's all there's <gasps> we do. Okay, uh, the government question is interesting because I think even like libertarians and the you know far 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 right Republicans that want minimal government. They do want it for very few things, and one of them is protecting life, right? Life, property, that kind of thing. Then wear a damn mask. Why can't we have a – why can't Governor Joseph Abbott? is not wearing a mask for anyone wear, listening. Uh-oh. I came in wearing a mask. I, I w- sure you did. Um, I will say I think that conservatives making the you know argument, our body, our choice is not a good it, argument. That's very yeah. ironic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That makes me sadly laugh. Laugh and cry. Cry laugh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm just saying – if you view this as murder, which is, that's a strong word, but if you do, then of course I want the government involved. I, just the way I want the government involved to keep my children safe from being murdered or me safe from being murdered. So that but is where the line comes. But also some people are okay with the government murdering people when it comes to death penalties. Uh, that's well, that's a whole other, we don't have that article <laughs> in the list. Yeah. And I actually, these two conservatives, I don't think we see that eye to eye on that. That gets a lot more well, murder, dicey. Murder, murder as a word has particular. Yes. You know, like killing versus murder. Yeah, exactly. And so. We go old testament. I'm the, on this. I'm the truest pro life here because I'm a pacifist and against the death hey, penalty. Hey, look at that. So, I'll wear that as a badge of honor. Do it. Yes. My lot. one question too and thought is, um, is there a better mechanism for reducing abortion than law? Hmm. Because I would I would argue there well, is. Yes. I would argue there is. Oh, I mean, but I wonder yeah, right. why Christians spend, you know, what it was it was it in like 2008, I want to say, I think it was the, the Mormon church spent like millions of dollars um, in California on marriage. like um, on, I think, marriage. Yeah. And like advertisements. And I think they've done similar things for abortion related hmm. things too in places like California. And I part of me wonders like, man, what if you just took those millions yeah. and like invested it Help in people? Foster, foster care system? Yeah. yeah, in the foster care system. I think we'd um, all agree that would be awesome. Yeah. And yeah. there's... Um, there was one good book I read. It's called uh, "To Change the World," and it's a long analysis of culture in that. But you know, the one of the main points was there's this tendency to think, for Christians especially, that our vote 
can change culture. And underlying that is like a uh, a release of responsibility. Like, well, mm-hmm. if I just vote for a pro-life po- politician, mm-hmm. then I don't have to help. I've done my part. People, right. Yeah. That, Wash my right. hands. Yeah. You know, and I can mm-hmm. go off. Right. And, you know, I think we all have examples of great people, you know, like you were mentioning those crisis centers. Um, I know a couple of them and they've been kind of hit or miss. Some are spectacular. Others yeah. are terrible. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I'll have those kind of like good, bad examples, but it is yeah. that sense if like, you know, Christians rallied around in, I think really practical, you know, those people just around their communities. Um, I think, you know, that can make much more of a difference than, you know, just like yeah. some of that law. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I things tend to we agree with that. And, well, I think the the better, so I, we would agree. I think in saying that the better mechanism would be the gospel, right? In the sense that you know, so for example, there there are pro life ministries who have the motto like "Make abortion unthinkable," like, and and I agree with the goal. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, like again, not to press the point too much, but if we went back to the slavery analogy, like like a lot of Christians defended slavery; it mm-hmm. needed to be made illegal. Mm-hmm. But so, that happened uh, after people. The so the analogy then is law didn't change people's attitudes right Mm. yeah and so you know Hmm. that was a reaction to right this growing um like abolitionist movement Mm -hmm. that said like we're not going to do this and so you know i find it frustrating right we spend so much time trying to and that's again going back to the book it's a great book you should all read it um james david uh, it's called to change the world um and it's like uh i forget the subtitle but by james davidson hunter um and you know basically his point was right we we think, um, you know, he said, you know, we've long thought, you know, change starts bottom up. He says, no, it's top down. But then we always think politics is the way that we mm-hmm. do that. And it's like we just put the right people in place. But more often than not, those right people just, you know, want to get their own power yep. and this and that. And, you know, that's a nightmare. And so but uh, oftentimes, you know, our voting and all those things, we think that's like our, our contribution. Yeah, that's true. No, I would totally agree. With also, that. it's not like the end of slavery made black people equal in society mm-hmm. so it's not like um no but you would but you would agree that you would agree with the abolition of slavery yes yeah. but again that's, but there is a lot more work to be done right yeah in the same way that there's a lot more work to be done for people and also who, uh i don't know if complete um zero policy ever like if we go to sex education we you know the conservative christians always leans, leans to abstinence and i think for the long time, long run, the abstinence issue causes more. Not, not, I'm not. The word doesn't harm. More confusion when it comes to someone's sexuality than teaching them something about safe sex. Yeah, those two things need to be taught together. I'm with you on that. But I have to go back to this this all or nothing thing you're talking about. We would never say that about murder or rape. You'd never be like, I don't know about the rule against men raping women if it should be like 100. percent You would by, never and, say and, that. And by the way, we wouldn't say, well. You know, we, we wouldn't say, well, I don't know that a woman is really a full adult until 18, so she can be raped But we do that. say, oh, well, she's it's because she asked for it. We <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> no, and when no, I'm pe- not saying we, but, right. like, but that's my people. point. When people say that, it's that's like, a oh, terrible well, thing to what say. What were you wearing? <laughs> right, and that's right. wicked. Right. So right, we all agree we, that that's wicked. Right. So it, the, you would never hear somebody say, like, I just wish our government would back up on, like, keeping murders at bay. Like, why do they think they need to be doing that? To me, that's how that sounds. By the way, I'm with you on the abstinence thing. I think that we should be teaching abstinence, but I also think it could be a confusing message if we also don't talk about things like hey, STDs and pregnancy. When I was a kid, but, Nancy Reagan said, just say no. And you did? And I did. To sex or drugs? Because yeah. that was a drug thing. She was talking about drugs. Right. We're she talking about talking, sex. She was Do you talking know about what? the cocaine the CIA was smuggling in at the same time. 
Okay, but on that's the right. sex yeah, front, just say no to the CIA yeah. cocaine. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's hey, a whole other level. conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you have AIDS, then. <laughs> Any, no, but I mean, like, that's like, a, like I, I think there are, I think there are times when, like, you, like, you start with the black and white, and you work your way to nuance, you know. And this, this would yeah. be one of those issues. But, but Sarah, you had an interesting uh, topic to, to nice segue. To, yeah, perfect. Not, not really. We did solve abortion. That was right? we solved it. Agreement. That was <laughs> okay, the sloppiest, clumsiest segue of all time. Oh my gosh, no. So you know, we come up with. I mean, we find these articles, and this one was actually sent in my Sunday school group. We have like a group text. Uh, it's from the Christian Post. It says 60% of adults under 40 say Jesus isn't the only way to salvation, equal to Buddha, Muhammad. Uh, now, I'm always leery of when people are like, there was a poll done. Don't pay attention to how we did it or who it was. Uh, so I don't know exactly how precise these numbers are, but I do think anecdotally we probably all have had enough conversations to know this is the, the trend, mm-hmm. right? So it says uh, more than 60% of born-again Christians, which already I'm like, Which, okay. by the way, the headline what? said... Um, <laughs> 60% of adults. Yeah. But the first sentence is born-again Christians. So it's actually kind of worse than the headline. It's worse. Says. But also, when you say born-again Christians, I'm like, yeah. where are you finding people that are like, I'm a born-again? I never use the term born-again. I know. Texas, I realize I know. it's biblical. Yeah, Texas. Is it just like the independent fundamentalist Baptist? You know? Maybe. But Either anyway, way, it's people on. that profess to be Christians. Yeah, right? evangelical term, isn't it? It's a what? Evangelical term. Well, it's a biblical term, but it's outdated. And it mm-hmm. tends to be used by people that... Don't know better. Uh, uh, well, yeah, that's maybe a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> really are more excited about their brand of Christianity mm-hmm. than maybe following Jesus. But okay, either way, Christians in America between the ages of 18 and 39 believe that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. So it's some kind of universalism. And over 30% say they either believe that Jesus sinned just like other people when he lived on earth or aren't sure, according to a new study. Um, and then it just talks about this decline in, in religious beliefs. Uh, later on, it goes to talk about... Um, they're seeing a drop in basic biblical worldview. And then in the next paragraph, it says the drop in the expanded biblical worldview, which I don't know, but this is what they say. This is what they include in that. Beliefs about Satan and morals being objective. It's like, which, con- it's like concentric circles, I guess, right? Yeah. Like here so, are the absolute things, but then these are secondary. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, I hear these kind of arguments all the time because I purposely hang out with people that do not think that morality is objective. And, um, but it went from 32% in 2010 to 16% in 2020. So anyway, the point is there's a, there's a sort of drop in orthodoxy, right? And, um, and this idea that Jesus sinned is particularly sticky wicket because uh, <laughs> if he sinned, then he's not God. And if he's not God, we have a real problem on our hands because he's also not then our savior. Um, and the, so then that gets back to this idea that Muhammad and Buddha are equal. And I, I have some thoughts on why this is happening. I don't know if these numbers are exact, but I do think this is the trend that's happening that people, I hear these conversations all the time, right? Like Jesus seemed really cool, but I don't see why he's any better than, or Christianity is any better than. Can I show you my favorite line from this? You can indeed. But they can also be attributed to young Christians who are not paying attention, who are focused nearly exclusively, it seems, on their phone, social media, and other content. They seem more compelling. I'm sorry, can you read that again? I was on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, I found that line so funny. He's blaming the anyway. Sorry, he's blaming distraction by phone, which I think is kind of. And this, this is a this is a big survey. Thirty one hundred people is a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know yeah. That's, so a, that's I'm a big curious yeah. to hear from you guys after I'm gonna give I'm gonna get on a soapbox here and maybe it'll make you mad. I don't know, but I'm curious your thoughts about why this is happening and if you are seeing this kind of in your own circles or maybe even churches. My thought on this is, and I've been thinking about this for quite a while, which is why this headline stuck out to me. It seems like we are moving 
as a culture, not just Christians, away from any sort of belief in the supernatural. Like anything that is out can't be described or, you know, science can't explain it. Uh, is more and more unlikely to be believed. I mean, hundreds of years ago, people believed in the supernatural. Not everybody, obviously. But more and more, I think we've walked away from that. And I think a piece of why we've done that is because there is this growing idea that everything that you need for life and for salvation and for happiness and peace and all these things, you can find within you. That's like culture tells us that, right? That you can look within and you can find peace. You can look within and find healing. And so we less and less need a savior who's the supernatural like rose from the dead or God created the world from nothing. And more and more, we just need the healing we find within. It's this sort of, uh, what's that phrase that Chris Smith said, moralistic, therapeutic deism yeah Yeah. um i think that is it's a real thing and when you do this inward looking um and here's where you guys are going to get mad at me i think that this like kind of new push for christian mysticism and the sort of like spiritual but not religious kind of vibe is partly to blame for this because it's like you actually don't need salvation you're not really a sinner you need to be healed which by the way i think both things are true um false dichotomy yeah, so and when you do that, you take the need for a Lord and a Savior away from Christ. And so it's no wonder to me that these numbers are coming through. So that are, is my Are you saying little... Joseph should give up astrology now? Oh my gosh, what sign are you? I am a Scorpio and a monkey. What? Chinese Zodiac, come on. Oh, okay. Oh. oh, I'm a dragon. Oh, Lord. I'm a Scorpio That's too. the best kind, Why? When's your birthday? I'm a Cancer. Oh, oh my God, two that's days. That's never going to work. Listen, on every so menu of every Chinese restaurant, what's the animal in the middle? A dragon. I'm just saying. Okay. Do you guys think I'm right about any of this I, mysticism? or? Yeah. Yes and no, but I think in, when we talk about these conversations like this, um, there is a decline in the church, but I think we let the church off too easily. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say more uh, words. Because part of it is We've also not done a great job of living up to what we teach. Um, and okay. also, a lot of times we put God in this little box. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to move it closer. We put yeah. God like, into, what are you doing? into a little box. So like, so so it's like that teenager, or the kid that goes to college, and we taught them like these nice Sunday school stories that that stop with Solomon. Um, uh, placing the judgment on the baby, like let's cut the baby in half, but we don't talk about that. Was it. a nice, nice yeah, story. Yeah, but we my favorites. We don't go into like Solomon wasn't that great of a dude at the end of his life. Yeah. Like, he, mm-hmm. So they go to college with Sunday school faith, and, and then, like they boom. read Bart Ehrman, and yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> left. And then like yeah. they, they, and then we we don't equip them to um, deal with. Uh, take faith because we say you got to do what the pastor says just listen and just mm-hmm. have more faith we don't give them the challenge to like think about it on their own so Wrestle. a lot of times when people yeah. go yeah. well yeah we've gone down the emotional rabbit hole too right like mm-hmm. we've emotionalized Christianity we we yeah. deny we deny objectivity and the need for that but also I personally believe the last four years have done harm to mm. Christianity as a whole um, like the political scene yes division you mean yeah. the Biden presidency the last seven months <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why choose four years? Oh, Go ahead. Uh, but, but like, for I mean, instance, it is in the last four years technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we 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 there was this open, this open idea, or, or this we we know that this past president, um, the one previous. Uh, I like how you can't even say his name. Like, do you think that something bad will it's, happen? It's, it's like, like Voldemort. S- um, <laughs> well, he who shall not be named. Um, but but we know that he had a very openly affair, open affair with a. Um, 
sex worker or, or adult movie in industry star, uh, porn star, for lack of a better phrase. Which, anyway, and and there was it was we were uh, the church many parts of our Christ body were so quick to come to his defense and to his aid mm -hmm. and to kind of like oh that happened a long time ago, um, and it, it, we just kept. Um, making excuses and 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 it's just for me watching this and having the people that I'm trying to connect with planting a church it makes Christianity on the whole less uh, viable and then we have all these Christians who are buying into conspiracy theories that makes us less credible as well so so it we haven't it's not just all on the people who are uh, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they won't believe because they are whatever. But also the church itself hasn't done a great job of, you know, the Methodist churches, we replace discipleship with committees, right? You want to be a Christian, serve on these committees. Uh, and, and so we, we've kind of like, the, the church is equally to blame for all this happening as much as the individual. This was my point at the end. Like, I, I think I would agree with you. I, I don't know. You're right that the rationalization of political leaders doing wicked things weakens our credibility. I don't know how many people are then going to move from that to, you know, Jesus sinned. But I think you're right that any time we lose credibility, we become more hypocritical and more just like a, a noise in people's ears and less about telling them the truth. So I actually agree. Do you have some? Oh, yeah. I would. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have uh, that. I like the, yeah, the Jesus sinning piece. I think circling back, you know, to what Joseph said, I think that really has to do partly with the sort of, yeah, lack of good, um, you know, Christian education in um, plenty of churches. You know, mm -hmm. the one I grew up in included. Um, uh, I, we just, our church in August, we did a series on the book Sticky Faith that mm -hmm. they did on all those studies of how you build lasting faith. And right, the first one they open up with is the gospel. And, you know, to take from Dallas Willard, right, make sure, you know, not having this gospel of sin management kind of thing mm -hmm. into like what really is the transformative parts of the yeah. gospel and of Jesus. And, you know, and then everything else is about, you know, how to reinforce that. And I think so many churches, and especially, you know, be critical now of, like, Methodist, Protestant, you know, churches, they do that part so poorly, like, mm. you know, um, the the really having those, like, strong relationships, helping, you know, kid, you know kids move in uh, really deep ways. And even the church I grew up in, too, was a big seekery church, you know. So they had great youth group in that. But, like, I had to hang out in the offices of our youth, like, yep. pastor to be like, hey, can you tell me about, which is good relationship, but, like, that wasn't proactive, you know, they weren't out there. That right. versus, you know, like a Methodist church, which has that. But it's like, hey, sign up for our confirmation. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to take you out to coffee. But like, you know, yeah. and so. Um, so that, oh, oh no, no, I'm still uh, on the mysticism piece, too. I think I think personally there's a level in which it is valuable, like some of that introspective. But mm -hmm. I don't think it can be divorced from the the faith piece, mm -hmm. like right. and the, the proclamation of, you know, Jesus is Lord and what that means. You know, I think for part of a person's personal faith, you know, some of the stuff that, um, you know, comes out of that can be really healthy and helpful. Um, you're, but like as a replacement, I agree that it probably. Let me just you know. clarify something about that. I'm with you. I think contemplation, meditation are mm -hmm. beautiful things, and I think they can deepen your faith. I think the distinction that I'm making is the tendency toward finding salvation from within. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Where we, I think as Christians, and I'd be curious if you guys would agree with this, we find salvation from without. Like we don't have it in us. Without what? 
I'm oh my gosh. <laughs> For a second, I was like, does he not know that phrase? Um, but you use the term um, from the Dallas Willard book, the sin management thing, which is so interesting that we focus on that with kids. And then you, there's this big flip, right? The pendulum shifts the other way where it's like, well, I actually don't have sin. I don't have a sin problem. Therefore, I don't need a savior. I feel a little bit broken or I feel sad or I feel anxious. So I, do, I need to be healed and I need to like, you know, find peace. But I can find that by just going within. And so then, you know, contemplative prayer is awesome. Unless contemplative prayer is how you're supposed to be finding salvation. Does that make sense? That's the distinction I'm making. Mm-hmm. So I think the mystical whatever, the Enneagram and all that kind of stuff is part of the bigger problem, which is that, yeah, church is about, um, you know, I kind of call it the, the, the mega church project, right? Where it's like, you know, you, you come to church to, to feel better, to, uh, to get a little bit of, you know, good advice, you know, family management or something like that. But how many Christians, if you went to like even a Christian conference and you walked around with a microphone, like a man on the street type deal, and you said, explain the doctrine of the Trinity. Or if you, you could probably oh, get geez, them, I can't even do that. You could, no, I mean, you could probably, but, yeah. get, but I mean, even just in the most basic terms. Mm-hmm. So are these people, do they even know what it is? Because if, if you understood the Trinity, you would understand that you couldn't possibly believe that, you know, Muhammad and Buddha, by the way, Muhammad's not a path to salvation and Buddha's not a path. No, to, it would be those a are lot. Not even, yeah. Like Buddhists don't even seek salvation. They seek nirvana. Yeah, exactly. So like th- these are just like totally horrible. I, I just think that Christians are by and large extremely ignorant of what yeah. we even believe because we don't bother. Yeah, because we don't bother to teach it because we're terrified of losing people. We are, we are at this mm. point so terrified of dying and doing the very thing Jesus said would happen <laughs> that we will do anything to keep people there, even if it means giving them advice on how to have a good marriage instead of teaching them about the darn trinity. Whoa, language. Um, Heaven, my close. goodness. That was close. Are we not allowed to cuss? Because I think I already did. You didn't. <laughs> Maybe in your heart you did. Wasn't, <laughs> it, well, it wasn't one of the George no, Carlin words. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, my, 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 my boss, as we were going through the process of planning a church, um, you know, he said something that stuck to him, stuck, is staying with me. And he says, um, the church's job is not to get people to love you. The church's job is to love people. And too many times uh, we churches spent so much time making sure people love us so that they can fit it, fill our pews. And, and pay our bills. Don't and pay our bills, yeah. Get the lights on. But, but also, um, you know, the, I think having mystery in our faith is important. I mean, can, who can really explain the Trinity for that matter? Like, well, I understand that. But, like, you that's know. That's a different kind of mystery. Uh, I switch. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and I think that's the kind of thing we should be saying in church is, like, this is mysterious. And we're never going to quite get it. But it matters because blah, blah, blah. Well, I think we don't do that because our culture is obsessed with answers. I mean, yes. like our, our, That's kind of what I was our education with. system yeah. is obsessed with answer because yep. they do standardized testing. And we, we, hmm. I went through s- homeschool. I went, <laughs> explains a lot. No, I'm just kidding. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Fired. I had to. Yeah. Um, oh but um, when I went to seminary, it was all about, um, we, you know, saying the right answer. So I'll cram the night before my exam, get all the answers done, get an A on the exam. Is and it now, always Jesus? It wasn't actually. I went to a liberal seminary, oh, um, yeah. and then and then now I can't tell you what I really learned in seminary because hmm. all I was worried about is producing answers. And the church kind of uh, we can't leave questions unanswered for whatever reason. And so like we come up with wrong answers, or we come up with things like everything happens for a reason, which oh, gosh. can be very damaging when it comes to yep. bigger pictures. Sure. Um, and and it's kind of ironic because if you have all the answers, then why do you need faith to begin with? So, yeah. Okay. Part of it is our obsession with answers, trying to solve every single problem and and not leaving things up to, you know, God's bigger than this. So let's just, let's just, I think growing up, a lot of my pastors, my uh, 
the, that you know raised me or whatever, they had a hard time saying, I don't know. Like, because they were the residential theologians, and so they come up with these answers or, or make you feel ashamed that you had questions to begin with. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I think, part, again, that goes back to like, we haven't, we don't get, we don't really get people to think critically about faith. We just get them to be yeah. consumers of faith. I would, as, as, as say, a solution to this problem, right? I would love to see every church have a six-month apologetics course that taught to 16-year-olds, something like that, you know, like, and just taught, here's why we believe what we believe. We're not just going to, like, play foosball and eat pizza, like, you know, and watch a uh, Rob Bell video, you know, some trash like that. Oh, those like Numa that. videos were so good. <laughs> uh, pour one out for Rob Bell. I'm joking, sort of. Um, I, I think there is another element, though. I think, well, theologically, maybe. <laughs> That's another Don't issue leave my for boy another alone. day. <laughs> He's my quarterback. I sometimes still listen to his Rob cast. Okay. Uh, but there's a when you said the, the quote from your pastor, which I like, I don't disagree with it, but it made me think of another issue here, which, wh- what was it? We were so busy trying to make people like us that we're not concerned with loving other people, something mm-hmm. like that. I think there's a, a third piece, not that the quote always has to get the third piece, but that we actually don't understand what it means to follow Jesus. Like, it, it's funny that you said apologetics because I love apologetics, but I think we just need to teach people basic Bible truth. And throw some apologetics in there uh, but like I think that should be part of it yeah I mean, I mean who is jesus and why does it matter i mean and did he did jesus claim exclusivity what does jesus have to say about himself in that way and, and why do we believe that's true there that's when you get into apologetics i guess um because that's where i feel like yes i know a lot of stories because i grew up and i learned about noah and solomon and actually really terrifying stories but they were told in a cute way but i it took into my adult years for me to understand what it means to like surrender to jesus with my life anyway well, All right, I'm done with my, I, I think we're, I my think speech. We're, I think we're still learning it, but there, there's a oh, whole... Oh, no, I've, I've arrived. I figured there, it out. I'll tell you there's later. There's a whole thing about exclusivity, too, right? Where, where, yeah. where like, we, we, we basically feel it's rude, like, to claim truth over and above other. And that's just basic postmodernism. I mean, that's yeah. just basic relativism that's so seeped into our culture. And, and so Christians, Christians who basically will say this and not this, okay, you can't hold them together... Are thought of as as jerks. They're they're, yeah. they're thought of as rude. They're thought of as Neanderthals. They're thought of as knuckle draggers. They are they're thought to be the the u- most useless intolerant. Uh, they're 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 barriers to progress. They're barriers to the to to the utopian vision that uh, that others would paint before. So I think there's so much fear of exclusion that that we we don't we don't hold the line. So but, uh, one of our uh, viewers just wrote the word alpha. And it, Alpha is actually kind of getting at what you're talking about. It's not apologetic necessarily, mm-hmm. Colin. Uh, what up, Colin? What's up, Alpha Colin? Alpha is just a space in several churches, lots of different denominations, where you can start asking basic questions about faith. What is Christianity? Who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? And, you know, what is the Bible? How do I read it? Those kind of things. So, yeah, this is why I love Alpha, because it starts those conversations. Um, well, I yeah. don't know. Who's in charge of the next article? Well, I am, but I think maybe we should skip to Joseph's because we might be running out of time. Joseph's? What? I had. I was. I'm just kidding. We can do mine if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, let me. Joseph, can I, can skip I ahead and look at your article. No, I can didn't. I, can, I, can I start this one with a question? Yeah. Which is, has anyone asked you? It's about coronavirus. Uh, uh, um, Vaccine exemptions. Religious exemptions. Okay. Yeah. Has anyone been asked for that? Has it, like, have your members come to you and been like, hey, could you write me a religious exemption? I don't have any members yet because we haven't officially <laughs> okay. launched. What day did you launch? I'm trying to stop. September 12th, guys. Oh, September 12th. That's coming up. Our um, church album drops. You launch in you launch in <laughs> nine days. You're, I, I do, we do in Friendswood. No, God, I mean no, Pearland. 
When's, when's the, the uh, Donda watch party? <laughs> they are not the same. We are not friends with. Huh? When's uh, the uh, Donda watch party? Uh, Is that before service or that? after? Kanye. Kanye's new album. Let's just, let's just, let's just, Kanye's Listen, if you start giving people exemptions for the vaccine hesitant, you might mm-hmm. get more people. No, we're not. <laughs> that would boom your church. Just uh, make a form, put it on your website, which is what this Maybe next article is about. Okay, so I'm guessing the answer is no. No, no. So, so I, I have. And I would you have? Mm-hmm. And did yeah. you give it to them? They ended oh. up not needing it, but I would. Because they got the mark of the beast after all? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No. I, I'm vaccinated. I shouldn't. Can I, can I ask why you would? <laughs> Okay, so what well, was Well, let's get into the article uh, and then we'll, read, read we'll fight the, it yeah. out. We'll duke okay, it out. Okay. So, yeah, this is fascinating to me. Um, so th- the article is from the Washington Post. It says religious exemptions from coronavirus vaccines are expected to become a legal battleground. I care less about the legality of this and more just about the interesting thoughts that go into asking your church or your church leaders for exemptions. So as more companies and states require employees to get the vaccine, which that's, that's its own thing that we can talk about. Some Americans are seeking a way out through religious exemptions to skirt mandates they believe burden their beliefs. I'm going to stop there for a second because I'm already like, so I'll just, I'll expose myself for the weirdo that I am on the panel. I am vaccinated, but I am a little, have the heebie-jeebies about getting my kids vaccinated. So I haven't yet. And I have come under no small amount of fire for that. Um, So, but I would never claim it's a religious reason. I think it, it might have some moral implications, maybe, but it's really just sort of like not knowing some stuff about the vaccine and, and potentialities of it and dangers and all that kind of jazz. So when I think of religious exemptions, I, my mind immediately goes to like the kids in school that wouldn't say the, um, the, the pledge of, yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses that wouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance or they wouldn't partake in um, certain Birthday parties. Yeah. I need you to just follow dinosaur me in my bones life. To the museum no, 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 no. Dinosaur, dinosaur Bones gets everyone. Because dinosaurs are created by the devil, the devil to, to confuse yeah. us. Yeah, we don't you actually believe watch that. Jurassic Park, the documentary of <laughs> the documentary. Okay, Joseph, you're fired. Stop. Okay, <laughs> that's um, the second time I've been fired. On the, when did I get rehired from the first? Episode? Well, that's it's like a double negative. Now you're third rehired. Ordination. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, that was amazing. All right. So later in the article, they uh, interview. It's he's actually a Facebook friend of myself and my family, Garrett Kell. He's a pastor in Virginia near DC um, and and he's talking about why he hasn't yet been one of these pastors that will either put a template on their website or will grant people this like candy like these vaccination exemptions for religious reasons and I like this one line he says uh, religious exemptions can be like an easy out like the guy who says I don't think God wants me to date her maybe you just don't want to date her he said I want to steer people away from using God's name as an excuse. And hey, hey, I like that, that. I liked, yeah. I I may be surprising is because I'm conservative, but I I don't love this idea of people using the church or using quote religious beliefs to skirt out of something they just they don't want to do, and they may actually have really good reasons for not wanting to do it. But that's it's not religious anyway. Later, there's another great line in here. Um, it says, uh, I think this is. I don't remember who this is that's speaking here, but the quote is, people are being taught how to game the system, she said. One of the things that's going to happen is the people who are sincere, but who are rare but real, will suffer if there's a clamp down on sincerity. Clamp down on sincerity is interesting to me. I think there's, I think this whole thing is fascinating. I don't know exactly where I land on it. Like if someone did get an exemption from their church and use it because they didn't want to get the vaccine, I'm still torn about that. I would not do that because it's not sincere. That's It's not because I think the Lord told me, not, and I don't really think it's the mark of the beast and all those silly things. I am hesitant to get it, but I'm not going to use that as a, a like a false crutch. I'm curious mm-hmm. what you guys think. 
I would think, you know, if a congregant came to me, you know, they would have to have a real consistent philosophy. Yeah, well, that's of, what he says, I reject, actually. Yeah, I reject medicine and, like, I, you know, like, to show this clear consistency of, like, yes, I rely only on God for all of these they, things. They you know, show you like, their measles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they're like, you know, I just got over polio. Um, I'm in my iron lung, but... Um, yeah, outside of that, I would agree. I can't see, um, you know, the really the religious uh, component of it. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you have your reason. And the stories like these that I think affect our previous story of people looking at this saying, oh, my gosh, they yes. are using God as an excuse for everything. So why would I even want to go to church? Mm-hmm. Unless you don't want to get the vaccine, then you should definitely go running to church. So oh. here's, here's a good Christian word. And in the old English tradition, uh, prudence. Yeah. Prudence. Prudence, is, prudence. Prudence, <laughs> is a, prudence is a virtue. And uh, my argument is that we don't know enough about this vaccine. Right. Every single day there is a new headline that says, oh, by the way, you have to get a boost for every eight months. Oh, did I say eight months? Did I say immunocompromised? I'm sorry. I meant six months. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant five months. We don't know. We don't. We, we, this, is, this is essentially the kind of experimentation that is done on every other medicine that is released to the public for minimally five years. Mm-hmm. That, is a, that is just a fact. Okay, the FDA has been famous for holding up good medicine mm-hmm. for all sorts of reasons because they don't know. They don't know. Uh, for example, we have no clue how this vaccine interacts with virtually any other medicine. You know why? Because they haven't done any studies on it. You know why? Because they couldn't have Project Work Speed. Because this whole thing, you know, we we don't know if this third shot uh, will make things much worse for people. You know why? Because they haven't done any studies on it. Yeah. Oh yes, they did. Oh okay, Who, Pfizer said they did. Okay, with how many people? Yeah. I mean, a, a, a couple of dozen. Well, no longitudinal studies, for sure. That's so, just yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah, there can't have been long-term studies. So I, I, I would respect someone's conscience, okay, to say, if you feel in your conscience you cannot put that in your body because you don't know right. the long-term effects, I think that is a to, – to ask someone to do otherwise is a violation of their conscience. And I do think that while there isn't a biblical passage you cite to about vaccines per se – um, I think that as a matter of conscience, I think that someone ho- would hold, you know, good ground there. Um, but I also think there's a part of me that that is a little bit more the uh, play fire with fire type deal. Okay, if Scientology is a valid religion, then mm-hmm. then, then I then I'm gonna I'm gonna use that card for anything. Um, in America, we basically call anything supernatural religion for tax exemption purposes, um, you know, and um, I actually think that's wrong. I actually think that the Scientology should not have gotten a tax exempt status. Um, I actually think, as a country, we should defend Christian values uh, explicitly, um, not not theocratic or anything like that. But so, actually, you know, I, I, we do not have a coherent worldview as a society, as an American culture, and I think that's actually a problem. I actually think we need to defend Christianity. That there's nothing wrong about that. Okay, but so, you mentioned prudence, so yeah. this kind of wisdom. Yeah. Um, but that's. And you said it's not biblical, but it's a matter of the conscience. So, well, I think that's biblical, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where the question is, right? So, uh, two more quotes from the article that get at this, because you said there's not a biblical passage that says don't take a vaccine, and I think we all agree with that. And not all of us here would even call this a vaccine, but that's another that's conversation. That's another issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the early arguments was that it's God's will to decide who dies and who doesn't die. Yeesh, he said. If you vaccinate, some believed. Shut up. Some believed you're thwarting it's divine judgment. <laughs> no, I think that this is this to me screams like Christian Science, or people are like, I, I won't take ibuprofen. Like, calm down. God also. Yeah gave us science and a mind to develop these things. And I think the development of the vaccine is is an amazing testimony to the 
to the human mind and science. That's awesome. I just want it to be around a little longer before I inject my kids with it. But another one says, others will cite the scripture verse, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God as a reason for why they reject the vaccine? And I think this is just really bad uh, practical application of scripture, right? That's not, that scripture could be used to say, if your body is a temple, protect it. If we knew that the vaccine worked the way we th- that say the polio vaccine worked, that would be a ridiculous thing to say. The question on the table isn't about the vaccine being sort of anti-biblical. It's that we just don't know. And so when people are hesitant, to me, that's not, a, that's, it's just wisdom. And if wisdom is loosely theological, then fine, I guess it counts. But, but to use your Bible passages and your theology to say I'm not getting it, to me, seems like a stretch that's disingenuous. I, I would agree with that. I think there are a lot of bad passages. I'm not even, even though as um, against... Are you going to fill in his words too? Oh, no, I'll swing for different things. Well, <laughs> as, as, as against abortion as I am, I'm not even sure the fetal line, uh, the stem cells, is a particularly good mm-hmm. argument because it could be that many other medications were on that same line. Right. Um, because they, they're like 20 years old and, you yeah. know, it's... it's And anyway, so... I, I don't think we should be harvesting baby parts for profit, which we do in this country right now. Um, but but that said, um, I don't know that that I would reject this vaccine for that reason. I don't think that's a very good argument. I think it's just I think it's really a matter of respecting a person's right to say no, right? A, yeah. a person's right to say I I don't think waiting five years is unreasonable before I put that in my body and before there's a penalty for not putting that in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so. And that's it. And I and I actually think the data is bearing this out. I think the fact okay. is we're we are finding out new things about this vaccine and how it works or doesn't all the time. You have a lot of notifications. That's that what you wanted to, to say that whole time. No, <laughs> Def, um, defend Christianity from what? From whom? How? Say again. You can, you 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 say that we need to defend Christianity. And I was just like Christian values. Did I say that? You were talking about we need to go Who, back to who's we? The government needs to defend. No, no, people. you were saying. Yeah. Well, I would say that I, I don't. Like I don't think we. How? I don't think we should be ashamed of passing legislation of uh, you know uh, you know saying that no, we we are in a manner of speaking a Christian country. Okay, if the Satanists can have a you know Molech uh, as a statue like in the city courthouse because we're just all objective about you know religion and any re- religion is good as another. No, that's that's bull. I don't think Whoa, so. Whoa, another dicey word. My goodness. <laughs> Evan, you're not going to no, be I don't think, I don't think, no, of course our religions aren't as We are uh, uncensored today. Yeah. <laughs> Getting cray. Of, of course our religions are equal. You sure that was water? Equal. <laughs> of, course, of course we don't privilege our religions in the yeah. same way. That's silly. And so. Um, well, to go back to the exclusive yeah. thing, and then I hear you wanting to say something. We would never say that about, like, if I told you guys that, um, you know, there was a really yummy taco place. Uh, but it turns out that they're cooking with poison. Uh, but so you should go to this taco place because it's delicious and it's not going to kill you. you mean no one would be upset. Syrup? What? You mean high fructose corn syrup? Oh go my ahead. gosh. No one would be upset by me being like, oh, don't eat that taco. It's going to kill you. That wouldn't be exclusive talk, right? That would be like life-saving talk. And that's what we believe is, is true here. It's not that we think that Jesus is the only way because we're, that's like what we've been indoctrinated to think. We actually think he's the only way to save you and we want people to live and be free and have hope and peace and joy and all the things eternal life okay you go um yeah i think i don't know and i don't i just don't share i think some of the same objections around it yeah and one of my congregants so i have two congregants one works at utmb in the level four lab that has all the you know samples of Mm -hmm. ebola and covid and all that good stuff and the other one's an infectious disease doctor um who studies vaccines and things like that and so you know i've we've raised some of these similar things to them. And I appreciate, you know, 
knowing him as a person, church member, Christian, you know, I know he's kind of cut through the BS um, kind of, uh, you know, stuff and, and that. And I just don't think, you know, like in terms of the risks of side effects and things like that, of that, uh, like a vaccine and potentially those things like are, are much more negligible compared to, you know, the side effects of actually getting COVID yeah. and those, you know, actual long-term side effects that are even beginning to show up now um, in people and, you know, potentially being worse. Um, and so, you know, I think just from that angle, like, yeah, I get there are questions around it. Um, but I think at least from, you know, a Christian perspective, you know, we ought to be uh, conscious about that. And yes, mm-hmm. I have, you know, that decision can, is connected to me, but it also affects others, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have in our country, you know, this real inability to um, really think about things that don't uh, affect or that that aren't connected to us, right? That sure. real strong sense of individualism, right? We have a hard time even having a language about something that doesn't benefit me. But do you think, so I'm with you. I think I could probably say I agree 99 out of 100, something like that. Do you think, though, that people that don't get the vaccine are not loving their neighbor somehow? I mean, you know, it's, that's like, you know. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? Or do you, maybe a a corollary question would be, do you think that it should be a mandated thing? Because that's, the the question here isn't really like, what do we all think about the Mm -hmm. vaccine? It's, the people that are getting these exemptions, it's because they're being forced to get it or else they can't keep their job or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what are your thoughts on that? At some level, you know, I'm fine, you know, with mandates. That doesn't bother me. I mean, we've done that for all sorts of things, you know. I've got mm-hmm. a whole list of vaccinations and that um, and uh, things that, you know, I had to get. And as Not a kid, to work, and, though. Well, not to work. I mean, because we school, have a system. That's, not to be homeschooled. Well, we had a system but in which right, it was, right. <laughs> you know, that it was built in in schools, right, to attend school. Yes. You had to. And so then the assumption was, well, you leave school, you get a job, you have that sort of vaccination. I see. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you it's know, like post-World War II, we all use that optimism to go get rid of polio and all those other things, mm-hmm. um, you know, out of that duty. Right. Um, kind of that language of we have a duty to <laughs> others out of that kind of you know, thing. Duty. So I don't know if I'd say. It's uh, who is inviting you to these? You. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I'd say it's unloving, but I would say maybe it's a loving action to um, like. See, I'm, I might agree with that, but I actually don't think that this vaccine, and I think it's now proven that it doesn't prevent the spread of coronavirus. It is. It essentially masks symptoms. So it's essentially a six-month shot um, to to lower your symptoms, which makes people who are vaccinated. Spreaders. That's why they're called super spreaders now. Um, so I it, it, oh, because they don't know they have the symptoms, so they right. go around. Yeah, mask their symptoms, willy-nilly. but they're but they're still spreading it. Um, and I would also say that it, it is we are in an arms race with variants. We would not be if we were not vaccinated. Uh, that's why we will see a new variant every month, every two months, every three months, because as we vaccinate. For, for example, the first vaccine does nothing against Delta. It does, it does very little against Delta, okay? Yeah. So now we have to get the booster. And the same thing is going to happen over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It's just the wrong strategy. But, uh, but, but the, the, the point is because I've, I've had my own members say, well, you know, uh, it's, don't you think it's loving to, you know, to get it if, it if you're not spreading it on to other people? And I said, well, if I'm unvaccinated, actually, I'll have the symptoms, you would think, and I'll know not to be around people. Um, and the vaccine isn't a true vaccine. It's not going to get us to herd immunity. That's the bottom line. If the vaccine got us to herd immunity, I think I, I could argue there could be a Christian imperative to get the vaccine, but it won't. And we know that because Israel vaccinated 80% of their people 
Um, they all did one vaccine. They did it in lockstep. They said 50% would get you to herd immunity. Then they said 70. Then they said 80. And it hasn't worked. It has been a colossal failure. Uh, if you look at Israel, you know, it, you know, vaccines start kicking in. There's like three, four months of effectiveness, and bam, a huge spike. Meanwhile, India is taking ivermectin, and they're going down. And so that's another thing. Um, there are options to the vaccine. There are therapeutics that really, really work. Time, by the way, you can just. Um, oh, anyway, so I, so I, I mean, I do want to agree with you. Like yeah. in principle, I agree with you yeah. that that if if the vaccine would get us to herd immunity, I think I would say, yeah, I think as Christians, it's really something we ought to do. It's a premise it conclusion thing. Like yeah. there's a premise problem, but the conclusion, I think we all agree. If it were the same as the polio vaccine, we would all be okay with. And that and that's the kind of the debate but i oh, know yeah. what new zealand doing just well, like emotionally or <laughs> so new zealand is is the last country on earth that is still committed to a zero covid policy and it has turned them into a freakish police state that no one about australia or new zealand new, also new zealand i didn't know that no australia has given up on zero covid okay vietnam tried zero covid failure okay australia tried it failure um is it new zealand is the last one committed to zero covid it's, it's, it, it can't work. It will never work. Hmm. And the only way to police it is, yes, they are. Yes, it is true. They are putting people into places. Call it what you want. They're, they might be hotels. Okay. They might be nice places. But if you leave it, you go to jail for six months. Okay. If you, if you leave, hmm. if you're positive coronavirus, you can't leave. They put out APBs for you if you mm -hmm. tested positive for COVID-19 and you don't go where they say. It's crazy. It is yeah. absolutely. I don't know why the Christians aren't looking at that going, Wow, that is wrong. That is not the direction we want to go here. I mean, because now you really are infringing, I think, just beyond someone's conscience. I think you're infringing in a very real way. Um, Joseph, so. I'm curious your thoughts on the mandating aspect of this. Like, do you think employers should be able to say that you can't keep your job if you're not vaccinated? We have to take off our freaking shoes every time we go to the airport. Yeah. Um, so people, like, you know, isn't that private places can set their private whatever you think that taking off your shoes and putting a in like a substance into your body is the same i think actually yeah. i think that's that's exact that that point proves my point right we took our we have taken off our shoes for 20 years because one guy had a shoe bomb <laughs> and for and and so billions of shoes have been taken off think of the fungus spread and 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 for what i, I actually i think that the the war against terror okay, by and large, has proven to be dumb, poorly thought out. And now we're fighting a similarly dumb, in my view, war against COVID. Hmm. So um, I actually would be for, for keeping on your shoes and against mandates. <laughs> I'm just picturing Evan in the airport like, you can't take no! away my freedom! Uh, no! <laughs> um, but, you know, I... But there are, there are times in which the government's like, for everyone's good, like, you have to do this. Like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to it in, in Short general. Short answer, I have no problem with it. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're well over an hour, so. Okay. <laughs> so we'll save the CRT for our white supremacy in-person oh uh, event. Uh, so this episode is coming out before that, so that's yeah. good that you're saying that. So October 11th, mark your calendars for the next live event, Theology on Tap. Uh, not exactly sure where we're meeting yet, but we are meeting is October 11th. Columbus Day? Sure is. Oh yes. my Thank God. you for you pointing go, that did out. Did you do that on purpose? Nope. We sure didn't. Because we normally meet on Tuesday, but like we moved it to Tuesday. Works. Or, or the spirit works. The spirit. Talking about white supremacy uh, with Christopher Columbus. With he's, him. Yeah, he's. we're bringing him back from the dead. Oh, seance? 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a very like Samuel situation. We found the witch of Endor. We had to call her up too. Okay, Bible jokes, y'all. Um, so October 11th is a Monday, uh, and Theology on Tap is tackling probably our spiciest uh, one yet. So if you are a praying person, pray for us, because it's going to be a tough night. But I think that it'll be good, and we have some really good guests coming in to tackle this idea of the problem of, if it is the problem that many think it is, white supremacy in America, and then what the gospel's reaction to that is, or what the gospel has to say to that. So October 11th, you should come. That's... Yes. Why do we celebrate Christopher Columbus? You know what? Bring that article next time we talk. <laughs> I don't know if there's an article. But why does he get a day when he was a bad driver of a boat? A bad driver? Well, he, he ended he up also, in a wrong... Did he really discover America? America adjacent. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. A lot of, lot of Christopher Columbus hate happening here. But uh, anyway, do you want to close us out? Or do you want me to? Uh, I'll close this out. Uh, okay. Yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. And uh, do go to HoustonTOT.com, by the way. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about that. And there are some new pictures up on the website. You might find yourself in them if you've come to our live events. So yep. people and, love to see pictures like themselves. And subscribe so. to the podcast, Amen. like us on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And until next time, question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed. <laughs>